Hello, my night owls and my early birds. Welcome to another edition of The More the Merrier. I'm Donna G. If you're new to the show, this is an arts-focused show, mainly film and theater and the arts at large. This edition, though, is focused on the upcoming Toronto International Film Festival, which runs from the 10th to the 19th. Tickets for this year's festival are purchased online only, no in-person box office, and all things TIFF can be accessed from their website, tiff.net, T-I-F-F dot net. On today's show, I'll be focused on the Shortcuts program, which screens international short films. There are five programs with seven films each. So a great bang for your TIFF dollars. I'll be speaking to filmmakers Sasha Lee Henry about her film Sinking Ship, Hannah Cheeseman about her film Sucker, S-U-C-C-O-R, and David Findlay about his film Found Me. And of course, I'll have wonderful music for you. And we're going to get things started right now from the Monsoon Wedding soundtrack, which features music by Canadian Michael Dana out of Hamilton. Uh, This track, though, is called Chunari Chunari, and it'll get your toes tapping. The more the merrier with Donna G on CIUT 89.5 FM. Lala, 
जाने तमन्ना करना ऐसे से तम जाए दर्द होना खत्म Lee Henry is a writer, director, and producer. With her writing partner, Tanya Thompson, they have worked on Bitches Love Brunch, a comedic short that has played at various festivals, as well as the CBC's Canadian Reflections series. Their new film, Sinking Ship, debuts at the Toronto International Film Festival. I had a chance to talk to Sasha Lee about her film Sinking Ship and here is that discussion. Warning, I laugh a lot during this interview. Couple in a restaurant, a nice restaurant, tablecloth, you know, elegant, lamps on the tables, nicely lit, and a man-woman couple. And the man says, you seem old. And I'm like, let me get my popcorn and, you know, a glass of wine because I'm in this. So tell me, Sasha Lee Henry, how did you and Tanya Thompson come up with this story idea? Well, I have to say it really was, um, Lutania and I write on like a collaborate on a number of different things. This one was really birthed out of her brain as far as the story goes. She really wanted to talk about, um, you know, just kind of the changing dynamics that happen to women as they get older. And she's a little bit older than than uh, I am, which was interesting because I could feel when she started talking to me about this and saying she wanted to write a piece about it or like write um, you know a film about it. I have always felt some of the power dynamics of, of that come with tr- attraction that she was talking about, but couldn't quite verbalize them right. And you know she said like the reason why she could verbalize them was because she had got like had that experience of being an older woman, um, you know, in her forties and starting to give less fucks and just the way that that really caused people to bristle. 
that they really didn't like it. And then, you know, the relationship between a man and a woman, particularly being this really um, interesting micro microcosm of seeing what that looks like as you start to get older and become more uninhibited as a woman. You talked about microcosm, but there's also microaggression as well. Um, that's coming through this juicy dialogue in terms of, you know, they're, they're two very intellectual people, you know, having a conversation. You, you can tell they've been together for a while and there's an, there's an openness there. But when he starts to say things like, you're, you're attractive and you're intelligent, um, but, and then he tries to intellectualize the answer and I'm like, he knows what he wants to say, but he doesn't quite know what he wants to say because he's not fully aware of why she feels unattractive to him now. It feels strange. Like when he's like, he is kind of finding the word, but it also feels weird to him of like, I get this is why it is, but I do still find you attractive. So what is it then? And it's because the power exchange is so unspoken, especially in a lot of how heterosexual relationships are presented to us through media. Yes. Um, it's always the woman being demure to really get the power back and the man flexing in a particular way that like, you know, we don't really talk about it explicitly. So, yes. And uh, his definition of what romance is. Mm -hmm. And I, I love her clap back. Like, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're right. Things that we're trying to show with it of just like, I, you know, I was talking to something like, at the end of it, what we're really trying to say that she's not, she, she has changed and that's okay. And that yes. doesn't work for them as a relationship anymore. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Getting to that okayness is a bit ugly and a bit rocky as we see in it, you know, as much as they're trying to be intellectual, the mural's really showing us what's raging beneath. But that's the end where we end that, like a woman can want those things and people can change. And that could mean that we're not together anymore or what have you, but that that's fine. So often in those moments, we try to salvage something in a relationship and start to compromise ourselves. Compromise is cool, but if you're not on board with it, then you're really trying to force yourself to do something because of what we feel relationships should be or what this should feel like or what romance should be represented as. When if that's not it for you, that's not it. That's not it. Um, so Jenny Brizard mm -hmm. and Herschel Andel are perfect together as this couple. How did you find them? They were, I turned over every stone, every barrel, every door I could knock to find uh, Black French speaking uh, actors that were in their late 30s, early 40s, or could play in that range and uh, ready to, to take on this kind of piece. Because as you said, like it is, a lot of it sits with them. Like the success that this project really does feel like um, you know, a success of layers, right? Each thing really did have to come together quite, quite nicely in order to, to enrapture us into the scene. And a big part of that is the work that Jenny and Herschel are doing. Um, we really, like I had put out a, a couple of calls working with Millie Tom, who was a great casting consultant, and we were able to find Jenny. And it was really important to me that it be a black couple. Um, and so I was try really trying to find, uh, you know, the man to her woman as the characters and was having a really hard time. And we're about to go, you know, with another ethnicity and kind of see how that nuance would change the story and maybe dynamic between them. And then we decided to end casting Wednesday night and Friday night, I think we got a self tape from Herschel from his agent. And I was like, dim, dim, God damn it. And we watched it and it was perfect. And I was like, this is it. And so we um, made it happen and pulled it out. It was like, I, we confirmed him. We were gonna shoot 
the Monday, December 11th. And I think we confirmed Herschel just a week before. Wow. Um, and so Jenny and Herschel, I mean, we spent a really long time rehearsing to get to make sure because I knew the takes were going to be so long and I really wanted it to like us to get conversation flow and not have to cut it with certain takes um, that the takes were going to be long. And so we spent a lot of dedicated time rehearsing like two or three days out of the offices at the CMPA. And then they, you know, Jenny Herschel really gives her a lot of credit and I do too in terms of like she helped bring him to that place that they're at in that relationship um, in the in the film. She really, they spent the weekend before we shot together until like we were on the phone at like 11 p.m. midnight, just going through the like specific notes and what could happen here and that stuff. Um, and really baking themselves into the characters. And she really took the lead on that and 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 took what I, the direction I had set them up with in rehearsal and, and married it really between the two of them. Well, the rehearsal pays off because yeah. you could tell that she was listening to what he was saying and he was listening to her based on uh, the facial reaction. And she has these amazing eyebrows that speak. Yeah. <laughs> you agree with me, right? The eyebrows? <laughs> Half of the, like, I mean, she, she delivers the line so well, but it is those looks. Like, this, there's one where she, like, slightly tilts yes. up, like, a little, yes. like, interesting. And I'm like, <laughs> she She got that in the eyebrows. So, um, the filmmaking, you lit them very well. Talk to me about your lighting process. Well, the, um, it was interesting. So, the entire restaurant that they're in, except for the tables, is VFX. So our biggest job was making sure that they were lit well in in post and that we were lit well lit in the way that we need to to lay in the rest of the restaurant um and so we spend a lot of time i worked with nick Haight, who's a cinematographer um in the city fantastic works on baroness von sketch and new eden as well as a number of other shows um but yeah you know I, I made it very clear to him just kind of how much of a priority it was that they look well on screen we all we're doing is sitting and staring at them and so we needed to really make sure that there was that warmth there. Worked a lot with Christos Evangelou in post with coloring as well to help ensure that because, mm. because so much of it was VFX, you know, making sure that they're in the right kind of contrast with the mural and it doesn't jar or things like that um, was really important. But I mean, I honestly said what I needed, which was well-lit Black people and the team that I was working with delivered. And yes, I because not many people are used to lighting dark skin. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. A lot of our shows feature fair, pale skinned people. So, um, so they got it right. Well, so. and honestly, what that starts with is we also had a black makeup artist on set, Temi um, Shobowale. So she sets this base that already is in this like warmer tone that is well suited to them, right? Because yes. a lot of what happens in the instances you're talking about is the makeup wasn't set to properly to begin with, then the lighting doesn't help anything. Um, yes. that's and then so it becomes that so Temi like really yeah Temi did his did her thing Nick did his thing Christos they just yeah they did what I asked them to to be quite honest and they did it did it well so you mentioned a mural so this is a back background that we start off thinking is a you know photography yeah and then it transitions why was it important for you to have that backdrop I think it was because it to me that was what the story, that was part of the storytelling of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we demonstrate that these people, while presenting this intellectual facade, are still connected to this emotionally, right? That they're making this attempt to try and be clinical and removed from it, but 
it is still hurtful to hear some of the things that they're saying. It's really hard to hear that like, it might be because you're not attracted to me anymore and it's because I know myself too well. Or, and for, for the guy, you know, Herschel's character of just like, well, if all I'm asking for is this, this is what we'd end everything on. Are you, why are you being mean now? And like, so those things are still happening and are very real. And so the mural gave the opportunity to literally, to give it the backdrop and tell us what was happening under the surface, but lifting them from it a bit in the way that they were trying to be. Why did you choose black and white and not color for that backdrop? Interesting. I know that it's, uh, you know, there's a bit of color in it. I really just like the, the mood that it set it in. Mm -hmm. That even before the water starts to move, it already looks like a bit like treacherous water or water yeah. you won't really want to just jump into for a swim type of mm -hmm. thing. And I think, um, especially with it being a still and being so much of the frame that we're looking at, it, I needed it to be able to do some of that work because as a brightly colored um, ocean, right? It might look like an inviting swim, which might be too much of a, of a head fake, uh, I think for the audience, or like, you don't want to really wanted them to be in step with kind of where we're sitting in this relationship and not feel too, uh, you know, behind the story or like as like a, a gimmick had happened on them type of thing. So yeah, I think the coloring helped with that and helped ease us into the moment when it starts actually moving. So this is a different Toronto International Film Festival for everyone. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about things being digital? I mean, I'm feeling mostly grateful. I think really like with most things, once I started to shift my, of course, you know, I've been at TIFF a number of times. I was a volunteer there. I've like, have gone to see other films and things like that. And it's, of course, it sucks that the year that I'm in it and really get to, uh, you know, flex all the, the grandness of that. Yeah. It's not in person. But what this does open up is the opportunity for me as a filmmaker to watch more films than I ever normally would at the festival, right from home. Like mm -hmm. I get to watch, you know, usually you're running from venue to venue and there's only so much you can see because you try to get here and to what networking event. So I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to like have little house gatherings with my friends and we like, you know, myself and I have another film in the festival that I produce called Black Bodies. And so myself, Tamar Bird and Kelly have already planned a couple of days where we'll be at each other's houses and just like watch three or four things that we wanted to see together. Um, and that's just a different way from, you know, doing the lineups and waiting here and you get the text of just like, so-and-so is giving out free whatever at John and Queen. <laughs> You're like, okay, I got That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it'll be, it'll be quieter. But I think honestly, if we can wrap our heads around the events not being the focus or the glitz and the glam, but like we really are getting top of the line cinema delivered right to our door. And that is a special opportunity really as we're all clamoring for things, more things to watch every single day and um, you know, feeling like we're running out even though there's more streaming services than ever. I don't know. Yes, I know. But um, I, I, the one thing I will miss though about not being able to see your film in person is, uh, taking a, a group of black women to see it yeah. because the talk back to the screen would have been amazing. Yes, that's actually so true. That is so, so, so true. But for all that, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you've been included as part of the selection for this festival because it's a limited selection this year and you made it through. So congratulations on that. And um, do you know where your film is going after this? 
I uh, don't know where it's going next yet, uh, but I will keep it, po keep everyone posted on my socials. And, uh, and what are your socials? Give it out so people can hear. Oh, the primary one is Instagram, Sasha Lee Henry, S-A-S-H-A-L-E-I-G-H-H-E-N-R-Y. Um, and that's where I'll post all the updates. And you can see my other um, film page that I share with my um, uh, collaborator and all the updates on it there. And just, yeah, kind of what I'm up to in the festival with the Filmmaker Lab and Talent Accelerator. Thank you so much. And we'll, I'll keep track because, like I said, I have to have, when this is eases off this pandemic eases off i want to have a group of people over and we're going to have our popcorn and our wine just like olivia pope on scandal yes i would love that <laughs> an olivia pope screening yeah yes. I'm full, <laughs> feel free to reach out to me and we'll help make that happen when all right happens. okay thank all you right. so much sasha and thank enjoy you. your festival experience you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was my chat with director Sasha Lee Henry. You heard her reference it, but I just want to let you know that Sasha is also accepted into TIFF's Filmmaker Lab and Talent Accelerator. She and her partner Tanya Thompson have a series in development with New Metric Media and Bell Media. So lots to come from this wonderful pair. Sinking Ship screens in TIFF Shortcuts Program Number 5, Tuesday, September 15th, online at Bell Digital Cinema. 6 p.m. is the start time. And for more information about how to purchase tickets, TIFF.net, T-I-F-F. Net. You're listening to The More the Merrier with Donna G on CIUT 89.5 FM.
Cheeseman is a writer, actor, and filmmaker. In 2014, she was one of TIFF's emerging Canadian filmmakers. Her films have won awards around the world, and as a writer, she has worked on such shows as Orphan Black and Working Moms. Her short film, Sucker, S-U-C-C-O-R, will be screening as part of TIFF's Shortcuts program, program number five to be exact, which will screen Tuesday, September the 15th, 6 p.m. on Bell Digital Cinema. Actors Dara Campbell from Anne at 13,000 Feet and Michaela Karimsky from Firecrackers play best friend in this short film. Hannah was able to join me from Killarney to do this Zoom interview about the film Sucker. So Hannah Cheeseman, where did this idea come from? Um, it actually came from a, an experience I had. Uh, I was catfished online and um, it was through a dating app. And uh, when it happened, I was like, you know, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it because I just, I never had this kind of experience before. And it was also, it wasn't the kind of catfishing where somebody was asking me for money or any, I, I never got to find out what the intention of this person mm-hmm. doing this was. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so bizarre because I forged this like connection with this person online. I was very excited to meet them. And then when I discovered that it, it was all faked, I was like, I had this myriad of emotions and I just ended up being like, Oh, this, this is a complex thing I'm feeling right now. So I wrote, I literally listed down each emotion I was feeling. And I said to myself, this is going to be a story. Um, and so I just sort of extrapolated from there and um, made it about two friends as opposed to some kind of like a sort of internet dating thing, just mm-hmm. about two best friends. Yeah. And the thing about uh, your film is um, you don't know why the one friend is doing it. So it's kind of left up to the viewer to decide what the motivation is. But so so that's wonderful. In terms of your filmmaking, though, I love the fact that you have um, additional dialogue recording because you have this image of a man um, mm-hmm. but it's the friend, it's a friend's voice that you, that you mm-hmm. hear. Why did you decide to do that? And, and how tricky was that to do that as a filmmaker? Yeah, that was, that was really tricky. I knew I wanted to do something there that wasn't, I don't know, conventional or that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted it to feel like, I thought to myself, so how do we create something that feels like you know, this person is the best fit for this girl. And she's like, she can't believe it. And it's, and it feels so intimate and true. And because it's ultimately her best friend doing it. And uh, I, I was talking to my DP about various ways I thought we could do it. And I thought maybe, you know, do we just like 
elevate that moment where he feels like he's kind of in a in, a, in an Instagram perfect reality. Uh, that was the first way we started thinking about it, and then we started thinking about like you know what if we just used Dara's voice and then it and like did it right down the barrel like it is the two of them talking because I didn't want to do text on screen it didn't feel natural and normal so it, it is this little moment in the film where um, what we just did is we recorded Farhang who plays Brian and then had Dara come in to do ADR which by the way we did all the posts during pandemic so it was she came over once to my house and with a mobile record ADR recorder mm -hmm. And we patched in and, and we just matched it as, as best we could because we, you know, obviously only did that when we had the final cut and, um, and it worked out so well and I love it. It's really, I think it's really cool. It's, it's very intimate and it's also very creepy at the same time yeah. because, yeah, because we have this male character that the other friend, um, so, so the two friends are um, Angie and Abigail. And yes. Abigail is speaking through the face of Brian, this imaginary man that Angie is falling in love with, you know, over, yes. over, over text. And, totally. and, um, and it's, so it's very fascinating to watch. And then you're also, also again, guessing what is the motivation of, you know, of, of Abigail? Yes. Why is she doing this? Is he trying to help her friend? Maybe she's in love with her friend. What's yeah. going on? And then the friend you're seeing, you know, she's just had a breakup and she's having all of these emotions and she's feeling happy and you kind of want her to be happy. But then at the same totally. time, he's not real. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And, and I think that that complexity is like what I really love about it, too. I, I mean, it, it is, I don't know, some people might find it dissatisfying that you never really get a reason why. Um, but it also felt like within the short film, like, you know, you've got however many minutes to tell that story. So um, for me, it's a bit like, if, if I, you know, extend this and turn this into a feature as I'm starting to, you know, as I'm in the midst of writing it um, into, I'm like, that's that's the stuff I want to explore is the sort of thematic like you know phantom thread is is definitely a, a film in mind when I think about this as as a feature piece. And how long have you given yourself to write the feature? Well it will sort of depend on what happens this fall. I mean if we indeed have a full-on wave two pandemic I might have tons of time to write it <laughs> and then um you know, and then, and then have it done this winter. Uh, but, but still that is the goal is, is, you know, I just, I just finished um, shooting a film, a feature up, up in Northern Ontario. And obviously that will take some time to edit. Um, but then when I'm back and hunkered down home, I, you know, I've already started it. So it's a matter of just getting, it's always, it's a matter of getting that first draft done. And I think the best way, like with this short, it came together very quickly and I wrote it very quickly. Um, and my intention is, you know, it, if that worked as well as it did, um, maybe I just keep on the same thing, you know, so take what I've written so far and just give myself, you know, two weeks and see if I can lock myself in somewhere and just get it done. The first so, draft. Yeah. So um, your actors, uh, Michaela Karimsky and uh, Dara Campbell, did they know each other previously? They didn't actually. And, you know, I, I had written this in mind with Dara. Like Dara was actually the first person I reached out to, uh, along with my producer, Coral Aiken, to say like, you know, I'm, I'm interested in working with you. We'd sort of become pals socially. And um I knew I wanted to work with her. And then when she said she was keen, uh, I was like, great, then this is absolutely going to come together. And wasn't sure at the time exactly who the other character would be played by. But honestly, it was after speaking with 
Sarah um, and sort of having a bit of a, a short list that we were like, well, let's reach out to Michaela first because we were both keen to work with her and they'd never worked before uh, together before. I don't even know if they'd actually met before we had a kind of like pre-shoot sit down, you know, glass of wine chat kind of mm -hmm. thing. Uh, but they were both keen to work with one another, which I think is exactly the kind of way you want to step into a, a lower budget, you know, or, or anything, really, any creative endeavor, people who are excited to be working alongside one another. So that really worked out well. One of the surprises for me is um, his name is um, Ishan Dave, or is it Dave? Dave. 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 Because mm -hmm. uh, I've seen him on Kim's Convenience, and uh, mm -hmm. I love the fact that he's just there as the boyfriend. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he even has a line or he may have one line. <laughs> yeah, he has one line. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, he uh, actually had a few other lines, but it just, you know, when you get to editing, things change what you need. Yeah. yeah. In the film. Uh, mm. that, that was a good choice to edit his additional dialogue because I didn't think it was needed. Um, their, yeah. their relationship came through in the short film. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Okay, good. good. Yeah, it did. But it wasn't <laughs> so. exactly wasn't exactly the happiest of relationships, you know, or just sort of like tumbling <laughs> no. along. Yeah, they've been together yeah. a while. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I'm so glad you read that because the other lines had that, a little more of that, and, and but the fact that you got it in that little beat, uh, great, perfect, glad to hear it. Well, this festival, I've been talking to filmmakers and this festival is definitely different um, for them. Uh, how are you yes. feeling about being included in this year's festival? Oh, I mean, I'm so happy. This is, this is you know, Tiff, I've, I've, I've shown it Tiff as, a, as an actor a few times and as a producer, um, you know, and I've done pitch this, but I've never had one of my films, my films shown there. So this is the first time for me and I, like, I can't tell you how honored I am and also how proud of this piece I am you know I think it's one of the for my for my opinion it's one of the best pieces I've made in my career and and I feel like you know uh, I, I feel like the fact that it gets to have its premiere at TIFF is just like it's a dream to be honest mm -hmm. um, and I think though like with everybody like it, it's sort of a double-edged sword because do I wish that I could watch it on a huge screen with 200 people in a in an audience oh my god yes I do of and course I, yeah you know yeah I would have I would have loved to just see what the reaction was you know when you're sitting around hearing and seeing and stuff yeah but uh you know it, it is what it is and rolling with it and still gonna do like a mini kind of outdoor projector party with hopefully the casting crew um, good for you yeah yeah yeah, that's the plan. So uh, it's still great, but I do wish I could do the traditional thing. But you never know. That may be coming in the future with, with say, the feature of this or something, you know? That's, that's what I was going to say. Maybe the feature will end up at TIFF. Exactly. Exactly. That's the hope. So staying positive about that. But even if it is this weird moment in time, that there's also fewer films selected. So I have to say, I feel like particularly honored in that sense, too. Um, so, you know it's it's great and at the same time too bad that we don't get to do our you know hugging drinking hanging with all the other filmmakers yeah. and Virtu involved. virtual hugs yeah. virtual hugs <laughs> and, it's uh, the name of 2020 that's yeah. right virtual hugs hannah thank you so much for joining me today and to talk about your film sucker thanks so much Donna. i appreciate it bye-bye bye
the girl Who cared about fortunes and such Never cared much You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. This is Donna G. The more, the merrier. And at the end of this track from LA Confidential, you'll hear my interview with director David Finley about his film Found Me. I never knew a rhinestone for rubies. I never knew a mink from a sable or seal. Ponies from Got a new man, what a man He's no handsome Merrill Flynn I like his face and his bank is chase Half a million dollars ain't ten So I'm the girl, long for a cottage So I'm the girl Who's got an estate with a gate? I'm doing great. Oh, look at me now. Repping Quebec City at the Toronto International Film Festival's Shortcuts Program, number one, is writer-director David Findlay. His short film, Found Me, screens as one of seven films in that program, which runs Friday, September the 11th, 6 p.m. It is a digital screening, and you can purchase your tickets at tiff.net, T-I-F-F dot net. I had a chance to have a quick chat with uh, David, who was out of town at the time. This is a Zoom recording that we did. So here is David Finley talking about his film, his um, sort of routine guy who turns into something a bit different. Here's that discussion. David Finley, um, you are the writer and director of 
this film found me and uh, where did the inspiration come from for this film? Um, well, I'd say it came from three different things actually. Two years ago, I stumbled upon uh, the very odd world of underground wrestling of Quebec City, which is where I'm from. Uh, just by pure accident, just kind of walked into this community center at night that had no signs, no lights. And I opened this door and there was, you know, like 300 people cheering and going wild for this wrestling. And it just really struck me. Um, and where before, maybe I didn't know anything about wrestling and maybe naively I thought like, oh, what, like these people think it's real? Like, so silly. Uh, but very quickly I got that. No, no, everyone's very much on the same page, but this sort of collective shared uh, this collective suspension of disbelief is just really sort of held super high and the energy is just so, so intense. And so that just really stuck with me. And then uh, the, the main actor in the film, Michel Poulvier, Mitch, um, it's just a good friend of mine for the last 15 years and it's his first film. He's never acted before. And I just always, you know, knowing him personally for so long, I knew just his mannerisms, the way he is, I thought he'd be so great. And I just, for the longest time, I didn't know how or where or, or, or when. Um, and so, yeah, I had these two things sort of, yeah, marinating for, for a little while. And then last year, um, this band that I love, Men I Trust, uh, came out with a new album. And that's where I heard the song Found Me. And it just totally captivated me. And all of a sudden, I was just kind of flooded with all these feelings and, uh, and all these sort of images. And, and that was kind of the cat catalyst. And that's where it all came together to make this sort of very odd portrait of, of a young man who's kind of searching for himself and, and eventually becomes obsessed with the idea of becoming a, a referee of all things in this uh, wrestling league. Yeah. So you have this friend who's not an actor you have this idea for, you know, a wrestling script, underground wrestling script, and you have this song. So I'm going back to the friend and thinking, mm. um, how do you ask your friend who has never acted to be in your film? Yeah. Um, gosh, how did I do it? I guess I just... I wrote, I had, I always had him in mind for like a year before that and just never mentioned anything. And, and I think we were at a wedding and I saw him like perform this sort of song. <laughs> and I thought like a confirm to me, like, Oh yes, he, he could completely hundred percent do it. And so I kind of, before there was a script, I, I wrote this long treatment with images and references and, largely much more about the kind of vibe mood about of the film than the story itself but yeah a description of of uh of the narrative and i sent that to him and i said hey i thought of you in my treatment the character's name was mitch as well like his own name and sent it to him and we got on a call but immediately he said you know this scares me to death yes but i'm in. <laughs> like i'm, like I'm, but, I'm but i'm down to do it and, and like I told him, I, I said, listen, I wrote this and I've had this in mind with you, with your face in it for so long. And I'm, you know, you're the one and I have full faith in you, but also in my, I guess, directing of non-actors that we can make this work. And, and then what we did is we, uh, so we shot the film back in February and we shot over two weekends with about three weeks in between those two weekends. 
and the first weekend was mostly scenes of Mitch kind of alone, <laughs> Mitch driving, Mitch eating, Mitch doing this, doing that. Um, and that was just like a great opportunity for him to kind of get comfortable in, in front of the camera. And, and that's exactly what happened. He got to, to kind of know the crew and get a sense that everyone was super sweet and super nice. And, um, and he got comfortable. And then two, three weeks later, that's where we, we were doing the sort of more intricate, uh, more elaborate scenes. And uh, so he had that sort of progression and, and that ended up working out really well. The film is minimal dialogue, and I can see you do doing that because he is a non-actor. But he's also in scenes with a room full of people um, later yeah. on in the film. So how did you coach him into accepting that? It's so funny because I honestly, and I've been asked this before actually, oh, there's no dialogue. Was it a, something that you sort of self-imposed on yourself? And, and no, it just happened naturally. Actually, for so many of the scenes, you know, like there's a scene mitch at the office and he's kind of giving a it's a little presentation uh, and then he's at a bar getting drinks with friends there's a scene where he's doing karaoke and the improv that he did for so much of it and you know in the film it ends up being like a two second three second scene right the film is made up of all these mm -hmm. very shorts he was actually incredible and it's so funny because a lot of the supporting actors are real actors and throughout the shoot uh mitch was given by a few actors like cards from agents like hey you should call my agent <laughs> well like, he has a great really good he has a great face yeah he has a great face so tell me about the great, wrestling yeah. the wrestling scenes wrestling scenes were as complicated and tricky as you can imagine they were okay uh basically so we we did we shot basically we had access to this wrestling league uh nspw north shore pro wrestling in quebec city and they were super keen and they were very nice to open their doors to us. And so we shot one night during an actual event. Uh, we had everyone's consent to just shoot, you know, sort of shots of, uh, of the crowd and wide shots. And then later, three weeks later, we, sh we sort of created our own scene. And what we did is we, through the community of, of avid wrestling fans, we set out, we sent out this sort of casting call for extras and, 50 people showed up for a Sunday morning uh, just to be to be in the crowd. And honestly, you know, and they were keen, uh, but also not the most patient. So we do like, a, you know, a scene leading up to the start of the actual wrestling. And then I'd call cut and then I'd get people with stuff me. <laughs> you know, so, like, yeah, you came they, don't, they don't get so, it. Yeah. So that kind of added to, to a yeah. bit of the pressure of it. I, yeah. Uh, but, so, but all in all, it added to the atmosphere of it. You know, and I think it infused uh, the scene itself. And, and honestly, we shot that on the last day of the shoot, you know, where Mitch is the referee and he's, you know, really doing it with gusto and verve and he's really killing it, if you will. And I remember it was such a technically complex scene to, to get just with the camera and with the, the extras, with the action, something I personally had never done before. And once it was all over, I remember thinking like, whoa, I feel like I didn't give Mitch any direction, uh, you know, and, and it still worked, you know, because I, now I can think like, oh, it would have been a real nightmare if all this was going on and, and I wasn't getting what I needed from him. And I had to sort of think like, okay, what sort of direction or Jedi mind tricks do I need to do for him to like get to that place? And, and he was just there 
by himself fully, not by himself. I mean, I was there, but just he was able to get there himself uh, fully, you know, for this, this finale of the film. And, uh, you know, because leading up to this scene, you know, building a film like this, it's like a, uh, a house of cards, you know, everything's working. Okay. We got this, but if the last scene doesn't work, then the whole deck of uh, right. house of cards falls apart. And, uh, and and at the end, you know, he exceeded all my expectations. But at the same time, I just had this this faith in him uh, that he could do it just from knowing him for 15 years. And uh, and I was right. He he did he did well. He did it. So yeah. what is uh, this festival going to be like for you? Yeah. So I had the great privilege of producing two short films in the past that played at TIFF. Right. And this is my first time as the director at TIFF, uh, which feels great. Uh, so I know, I kind of know what I'm missing out on, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's okay. You know, honestly, I made, I made this film thinking, uh, you know, I'm just going to release it online for free by the end of the year. I just want people to see it. And I sent it to TIFF without telling my producers or anyone, <laughs> just knowing it was such a long shot and they don't take many films and, right. you know. And especially and, this and, year especially this year yeah. yeah and when i got the news back it was it was really really nice news um and it is a bummer that we can't kind of all go to toronto and celebrate the film together but at the same time it's just a great launching pad for the film you know where it gets some good visibility and i'm still sort of sticking to my plan of just releasing releasing it online uh sort of later in the fall Okay, so, so we'll, we'll have to uh, yeah, connect I mean, about that. Yeah. Sure. Yes, absolutely. I'd like. I love that. Um, so yeah, no, no sort of real TIFF events. You know, I recorded my pre-recorded Q and A with the fellow filmmakers in uh, our program, Program One. Yeah. And that was lovely. Uh, but everyone shared the same sentiment of you know thinking it's really too bad that we don't get to meet and kind of hang out a little bit and celebrate each other's films, but. But that's okay. People will see hey, the film. You know, right. in that same sense, it, it opens up TIFF to people all over Canada, uh, right. which might not uh, experience, have experienced and, it before. Yeah, and you've yeah. introduced um, Michelle uh, Poudrier and also found me to the world because mm -hmm. I'd, I'd never heard of uh, Men I Trust before. So, and now I do. And they're, they're all right. over your film. So thank you for that. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. They rule. I, you know, those guys they they're a band i just love so much and just really connect to their music and when i found out that they were from quebec city my mind was blown because that's where i'm from and i think yeah. like, no, nothing ever nothing cool ever comes out of quebec city like, oh it's incredible yes it does and, and, <laughs> uh, i don't know uh, what are, are you in the no, shadow no, of, are you in the shadow of montreal oh quebec city oh there's a huge complex of, <laughs> of that for sure but uh so i was just like blown away like wow they're from quebec city and and I just know they have this super DIY approach. Like they don't work with the label. They don't work with, they just do everything themselves, including their music videos. And sort of when I approached them with this idea, I was, I said, you know, I love the song so much. It means so much to me. I've sort of, I, I've sort of come up with this idea for a film that uses a lot of the song. Uh, would it be cool if I made this short and sort of didn't, you know, I'm not going to associate it to you guys in any sort of official capacity. And they were like, this is cool. Can't wait to see it. Great. Uh, and so that was that was a great blessing to have. And they've seen it since. And I, yeah, they were telling me they liked it. So very happy. Seal, seal of approval. 
David, yeah, thank you exactly. so much for, for joining me and talking about Found Me, screening at this year's you, Trump Donna. International Film Festival. And uh, I'm going to definitely be in touch about uh, Reykjavik. So that's, mm -hmm. just a, that's just a teaser for the audience what to think, what's happening in Reykjavik? So Great. we'll talk Great. later. Perfect. And thank you so much, David. Thank you, Donna. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Toronto International Film Festival runs from September 10th to the 19th. It is primarily a virtual festival with screenings online. There are some screenings at drive-ins and limited access to the TIFF Bell Lightbox. But for all things TIFF, www.tiff.net. I hope you've enjoyed my interviews with Shortcuts directors all from Canada, but this is an international program, just as a reminder. Sasha Lee Henry, Sinking Ship. Hannah Cheeseman, Sucker. David Findlay, Found Me. And have you guessed what the musical thread is for this show? In case you aren't a TIFF-goer from way back when, we started with Monsoon Wedding, a TIFF screener. Monsoon Wedding. I remember seeing it at Roy Thompson Hall, that very big hall, and uh, the sound was excellent and the stars were there. Followed that up with Baby Mother, which screened way back in the 1990s, the late 1990s, and the track is called Return of the Dawn. Then you heard the track from LA Confidential, yes, a TIFF uh, premiere. And uh, that film with Kim Basinger and uh, David Strathairn. Leaving you now with Bend It Like Beckham and Hot, Hot, Hot. Thanks for tuning in. Again, all things TIFF, www.tiff.net.